Welcome to World Review Commentary. I'm George Butler along with... Charlotte Littlefield Brown will be with us in just a second. Uh, this evening, uh, we have just a fine guest. Uh, his name is Alan Watt, and he has a website called Cutting Through the Matrix. And uh, welcome to our program, Alan Watt. It's a pleasure to be on again. Okay. Yeah, you've got some echo here. Well, what's that, Alan? I can hear my echo coming back. If the board man can fix it. Okay, nice having you with us. We're getting a little feedback there. I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, Charlotte, little Phil Brown should be with us shortly also. Uh, how you have you been doing? All right? Yeah, just keeping out the rain that seems to go on every other day. Okay, are you are you are you making any any breakthroughs? And and what's the latest? Uh, what's your update on what's going on right now? Tell us what's going on. Well, this whole world system is on a super roll to complete a good part of the agenda that was planned a long time ago because now they're going for, well, they've been going for the food supply of the planet for the last 50, 60 years, and now they're simply pulling off the coup de grace. They're telling you that there's going to be a world, a world famine, uh, how the whole society must change. Now you've got Prince Philip coming out in England saying that there's just too many people on the planet. We must depopulate and even get voluntary sterilization if need be. The whole agenda is unfurling because they have a public who are ready to accept major changes through their conditioning over the last 50, 60 years. Yeah, um, boy, that is interesting. We're having a little technical difficulty in, in getting your feedback to, to me right now, so you sound a little muffled, but we'll continue on. So so the world is really having, uh, and the Chinese thing you're saying is really hitting the fan? Yeah, the whole, the whole system is steamrolling ahead now because it's time. The public are ready for the major changes, which they're oblivious are coming down but they've been conditioned mentally for them to accept them their whole lives, in fact, through massive propaganda, uh, through all media, and the public are into the greening of the planet, the depopulation, and a whole new way of living is to be unfurled where governments will decide if you will even be born, and if you are born, it will be to serve a world state, and that will be your duty. They've written about this from the Royal Institute of International Affairs for over a hundred years, and now we're seeing the the fruition. I say, um, yeah, it, there, there's so much going on. You you know, it, it's it, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's very mind-boggling. So I assume that we're still going out on the air. We seem to be having some technical difficulties here. We'll just muddle our way through uh, the best way that we can and uh, go from there. Uh, the Alan Watt is, is our guest, and he has a site called Cutting Through the Matrix. It's uh, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And uh, I don't know if, if y'all are, or if we're actually going out on the air right now or not, but we're going to continue the conversation as soon as we get him back up and running. We had a really bad connection over the air, and I don't know exactly uh, what was going on. But also, um, we didn't... Anyway, uh, we didn't have a very good um, uh, connection. So, um, 
Yeah, I'm back now. Oh, okay, Alan. How how you doing now? Are you better now? I still have a bit of an echo, but not quite as long as the last one. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm getting, I don't know what's wrong. Uh, it sounded okay on my ISDN, so I don't know exactly what, what the problem is there. I, I get this often. <laughs> what's that? I get this kind of thing often. Uh, okay. Uh, you, we did call you in on your line, right? So we got you. We got you on that line. Okay. So, any, anyways, um, we'll, we'll just continue on and do the best we can through the break. We'll probably be able to come back and, and get the thing straightened up a little bit better during the break. So uh, you've been, you've been, uh, you have your own program now. Of course, you have for a long time. And also, you, you, uh, your site. What all? Tell us about your site and what all you have on your site. On the site is called CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You can look at talks I've given over the years. Some of them were as far back as 10 years ago when I was outlining basically the agenda. And it's astounding really to know the agenda and even more astounding to live through it actually coming uh, along the way that you've mentioned before. It's um, You can never know enough. You can never know enough of what's to come and yet you're still astounded when they actually pull it off because it's done so slickly and so methodically uh, that it's actually predictable and everything that's happening today with uh, the war in the Middle East with the global supposed food shortage coming along uh, all of these things the depopulation program being rolled out uh, were written about a long long time ago and because it's so huge uh, a plan on such a huge scale it's inconceivable to the average mind that this can possibly be so. So, so the, the plan is so overwhelming, it's preposterous in a way, so people have a very hard time trying to grasp it. Is that what, you're, what you've uh, discovered over your years of study? Absolutely, especially when mainstream media has, is giving them a completely different version of reality, and even major news, horrific news, is mixed in with trivia and entertainment uh, nothing is real anymore to the average person. They've been put out of the loop of deciding their own destiny completely, and we're managed, we're completely managed on all levels of society by experts, experts that work together for foundations that are really they're the capstone on the pyramid to an extent. And they had planned over 100 years ago to create a scientific uh, socialism where indoctrination and through control of the mind, through massive media indoctrination, would control the minds of everyone. And that's pretty well, pretty well where we are. We're watching horrific things happening, even within the United States, uh, with government interference um, from many, many levels, taking all your rights away. And most people literally don't care. Uh, that's astounding. So, so there's so it's it's a virtual reality is what you're describing. Charlotte Littlefield Brown is with us. Charlotte, uh, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good, George. Charlotte joined just uh, just a second ago, uh, Alan. So what you're describing here is a, like a virtual reality that has been created by by the real top people in the world, the movers and shakers, right? Yes. People don't realize that culture doesn't just develop by happenstance. Uh, culture and culture creation and culture changes is always planned from the top and promulgated to the people below. And we adapt, we mimic what we see and hear, even the fashions, even the music, everything. 
and even the topics of conversation or what happens to be given as news that day, um, we simply parrot that. And when Brzezinski, Big Brzezinski, wrote Between Two Ages quite a long time ago, he said that eventually the public will be unable to think for themselves. They will expect the media to do all their major thinking and reasoning for them. Well, that's happened, uh, and it's, it's been so so well done that most people in the world are oblivious to, to the agenda or the reasons that things are happening in their own lifetime. They think it's all just happenstance and we're bumbling down through space uh, and things are uh, happening as we go along. Nothing is further from the truth. Uh, everything that happens on a major scale is planned that way. So, so it, it's a it's a big machine. It's a big beast. Uh, what what is the occult tie into all of this? Is there a lot of occultism and, and secret societies that are that are promulgated and and people that draw people in and just mesmerize them? Yes, you'll find that to control a world, you need helpers, and we know for a fact that Freemasonry broke out to a new class of people that was created in the industrial, the beginning of the industrial age. They called it the middle class, the managerial class. So they gave them a Freemasonry, um, a type of Freemasonry to join. And that really was a, a way of controlling them. To get your helpers to really believe in what they're doing, you, you give them a belief system different from the, from the average person at the bottom. And they will believe in it. It won't dawn on them, in fact. There's people above them with another belief system, even even way beyond that one. So they think they're part of the team, the team player thing that we've heard over and over again ad nauseum. Uh, so the middle classes uh, had to be helpers and had to believe in what they were doing. And Freemasonry, there's no doubt about it, Albert Pike mentions it himself, uh, that the objects uh, that they see and the sequences of objects and so on uh, it's like a language, and your subconscious can understand it. Your conscious mind uh, mind will skip over, but uh, you can be programmed through through various kinds of, of languages. The written word, as we see it, is only one way of getting it across, but symbolism is highly effective. And you notice that children, if you give them a pen and paper, uh, they'll always scribble down uh, the same kind of things, stars and circles and so on. These are symbols. And strung together in a certain way, uh, they form a language which your subconscious understands, and you can be programmed by them. And I've talked to Masons who have left, uh, and after many, many years of being in Freemasonry, and the, the, after a few years, they say it's astounding how they now view the world as, as to compared when they were in Freemasonry. It was like tunnel vision when they were in Freemasonry. And so there's a form of mind control at work here. And we know for a fact uh, that the CIA, MI6, and uh, the big organizations, secret organizations that your government runs, uh, was, has been behind many of the occult uh, groups in the past. They used them for studying uh, the populations. What can be done on the microcosm can be do done on the macrocosm if it works. And so we know, for instance, that the CIA were involved in groups like the Jonestown group. Uh, even Manson and different ones were being heavily observed and studied and so on because, because as I say, that's the microcosm. And once you understand the techniques, you can use that on the whole of society. And sure enough, since really since the 70s onwards, 
we've seen a phenomenon which was called the New Age, uh, which is pretty well every modern religion to do with the greening, the worship of the planet, nature, and so on, that's being used as a big stick to control us all. But we saw it all come to fruition, and it all started with very small groups, but heavily funded, um, promising people uh, occult powers, longevity, uh, the oneness with the world, the oneness with, with each other. This was constructed deliberately to bring in a new era uh, of, uh, of even more people who are brainwashed, a whole world, if need be, who are brainwashed into a new agenda. Now, Michael Gorbachev uh, did say uh, in one of his book, Towards a New Civilization, he says, we are creating a new religion for the world. And he says, it must be based on a form of earth, earth worship. So he's a man who tells you he's an atheist in the same book who admits that they're creating an earth worship type religion. And that earth worship religion will bring depopulation, sustainability, all of this stuff into it. And, and of course, those who are involved in the, the movement are oblivious to the fact that they're being used for, for a different purpose. So, so uh, what what had what part has the internet played? Has it furthered some of this uh, this chaos, mind wash, and this uh, yeah. seduction? Yes. Again, Brzezinski, in that book Between Two Ages, before the internet was given to the public, he mentions that that a system of communication would be, would be given to the public shortly, and it would help the authorities. Uh, for data collection, right, meaning on every individual. But it, he also said to get the young minds all together in, along the same path, again, on board, on track, etc. Um, it says that they would control it at the top. And sure enough, you can get utterly lost in data. It doesn't mean that the data is true, or false, or whatever. It's just plain data. You can scramble your mind with, with irrelevant data. And... Uh, eventually it will be used as they bring in Internet 2, 3, 4, and so on uh, and start policing it heavier and heavier, you'll, you'll find it will be the most politically correct uh, device ever given uh, when they're finished. Yeah, do you see it's just a new way to support that ego, that fault go, and just to cultivate and just nurture the what's wrong in us, you know? We're always looking for power. Whenever whenever we experience trauma and that power is taken away from us, then we have to reassert ourselves, it seems like, and go out and try to reestablish ourselves, you know? Yes. And also, the, the trick is as well that to bring in a new society, you must destroy all of the old society. Even the memory of what was normal not so long ago must be eradicated. And if you look at the shift of everything that was, say, in about 1950 to today, we've, we've turned 180 degrees culture-wise, uh, interpersonal relationships and everything. And most people, just like Plato said 2,300 years ago, he said, um, he said um, new culture being, can be given to the people and it can turn completely opposite in its value system. And the ones who live through it are the last ones to question it. They won't even notice. Well, that's happened. And it was planned that way. Yeah, we've got to go to a break here. And we'll, we'll work on our sound a little bit better and get our connection, uh, you know, adjusted in a second. But we'll be right back, Alan. Thank you. I don't. Great host. Great topics. 
free speech at its best. This is We the People Radio Network. Welcome back to the secret. Uh, welcome back to World Review Commentary. Excuse me a second. Welcome back, Alan Watt and Charlotte Littlefield Brown. Thanks, George. Okay. Thanks. Hi, Alan. Hi. How are you? How, how's that sound and now? You sound that, like you sound like you're better. doing well too, Alan. Yeah, yeah, it's better. I'm not getting that uh, echo back. Oh, good. We're sounding good. We got it fixed now, huh? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, we love radio, right? <laughs> I'll get it in stereo. Two years. Yeah. <laughs> You're a recording specialist. I forgot about that. This is going to be a good one for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so, um, so, right now, um, it's progressing online, and and now, what what is happening over there in Burma? Have you been putting your ear to the ground on Burma and some some of those areas in there at all? Not so much. I, I do know that uh, the the big cabal that planned a long time ago with Cecil Rhodes that turned into the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations to set up a global system, they did plan to take over all of the world's resources. Everything that would be needed for sustainability of life was to be owned by their own members. And that's pretty well what they're doing at the moment. They're going to cross the whole planet plundering through various guises, acts of war, and all the rest of it. But they're, they're basically stealing uh, all the, the wealth of the world for, for future use. So we're, we're going to get into a world society which only, where only a handful of people or a few dozen families even will actually really own the wealth of the planet and everything that you need for living. Uh, the only thing that they, they, they don't technically own yet is, is the fresh air. And I would be surprised if that comes hey, down. Hey, you know what? Too. I just invented a backpack that, that gives you a measure of oxygen, right? Oh, my goodness. I haven't it yet. And, and you know what? It's got GPS and it's controlled by satellite. And mm-hmm. if, you're, if you breathe too much, it'll, it'll cut down a little bit on the oxygen, right? Oh, well, I'll tell you, that's, that'd be a good citizen. I, I should make a billion place, out of that. The first place to sell it is, is Congress and the Parliament in London. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought about it. I was a scuba diver. Yeah, in Parliament. That's good. Idea. <laughs> yeah, that's where most of the hot air comes out of. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I was a, a skin diver, a scuba diver when I was a kid, so I guess mm-hmm. we could take that uh, above, above, out of water, couldn't we? We could. Definitely. Mind you, they'll heavily tax you on it. Yeah. Oh God, they they will. Every every square or cubic uh, uh, a meter of it, or or you know cubic. Yeah, that's right. They would. They'll find yeah. a way to tax it, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Every breath you take, I'll be watching you. Hey, that's the police, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, we need to get into some of your music sometimes. What kind of, all kind of music have you written, Alan? All kinds. Uh, all kinds. Um, some folk uh, stuff and some rock and roll? Or? Folk to rock to even some country. I play with some country artists, too. And um, uh, ballads uh, and classical. So it's a, it's a whole gambit, really, yeah. I, th- I think I was researching you before I first met you, and you were with some kind of a classical group at one time, way back. Um, not so much with classical groups. Mm-hmm. I played with them. But, I mean, you, you've accompanied some classical groups, I was thinking. Well, yeah. It's been a while and back. Also, so. Yeah, and I, I used to do solo as well in theaters uh, across Europe uh, for classical uh, guitar 
but I also formed groups sometimes to do stage shows or musicals and played with them on stage, at least for the first few months, then I'd sell it off. Yeah. Have you done any any uh, playing there in Ireland? Have you been through there at all? Oh, no? yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy, you, boy, they have a lot of nice theaters there in Dublin. Yes, they do. And uh, I've, I've played from north to south, and, and uh, I know all the old songs, yeah. Oh gosh, I, that that Irish stuff really really gets to me sometimes. I don't know what it must be it in my gets jeans. The going. It, gets huh? the, it gets the feet going, and you can't help yeah, it. It must <laughs> be in my jeans, right? <laughs> it must be. It must be. Yeah. Hey, I have a question. I don't mean to change the subject yeah. on you guys because I love talking about music. But um, the uh, Council on Foreign Relations and the uh, the, the British or the uh, England, you know, yeah. Royal Institute. Um, <clears throat> we have the member list. We we can uh, get. Member list. People have compiled them. Has anybody are you, that you're aware of uh, written a book or compiled the data on how all the assets, the entanglements of the relationships, the circles of influence, um, how they're um, playing out? Because it sounds like uh, what you've said can be uh, graphed even or put in a, a flow chart or a, a relationship chart, and it can be quantified. You can actually go into the Royal Institute of International Affairs website and go into the, the, the website and look at everything they're involved in. They have think tanks and workers working on everything, including, and they've had this for years now, the coming food crisis, as they called it. They have a finger in every pie in the direction of the world's affairs. Uh, so uh, look at the, the, one, the CEOs they put in charge of each group, and you'll find out uh, what organizations and, and what other big international corporations they belong to. They're all tied in together. It, it's a form of new robber barons under a more legitimate title. That's and I would tie those into the Georgia, those uh, sovereign wealth funds out of uh, Davos or Devos? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Oh, these characters literally, you see, the, the real world is vastly different from what has been instilled into us. Even during the Cold War, it was admitted over and over again by major writers that the war would be won by those with the highest technology. Therefore, technology could not be given, uh, or say some small company with innovative technology would not be allowed to sell it to the public. Therefore, the CIA and MI6, the big institutions, funded major corporations into existence. And most of the big corporations that we know, even in the electronic industry, their well-known uh, household names are actually run by the same agencies. It's one big agency. They could not allow independent technology to get out there into public hands. Alan, have you done any, any research on the Basque region of Spain? I have talked to some people from, from that area, and uh, they have long histories of conflict. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 some of the story that I get is that uh, it was industrializing, but it was becoming competitive with the English industry, early industry. And so they had an early hand in trying to defeat the industry in the Basque region. And later on, they started supporting the, the separatist movement there against the central uh, Spanish government. Yeah. Have you gotten into any of that at all? Yeah, their history is pretty well known. I mean, Spain uh, was a, very much a Catholic country, too. And Britain, since the time of Henry VIII, uh, is, is pretty well mandated in a, its unwritten charter, supposedly, uh, that that they'd never allow Catholicism to to take over or dominate the world. So so that the, the, the from the 1500s onwards they were plundering Spain, 
uh, for gold and silver and all. Francis Drake, Walter Raleigh, all these boys were pirates working on behalf of the Queen of England. But it never led up. And out of that whole movement in the 1500s came this, this cabal. They started up not long afterwards, very shortly afterwards, they started up the British East India Company as a front crown corporation uh, to take over much of the resources of the world, and they've never stopped since then. They talked about creating a world system based on the British Empire, based on the British system. Now, you understand what they meant by that was uh, a form of democracy where only nobility had the right to vote at that time. Uh, and even though they had the right to vote, there was still a, an aristocratic elite or royal elite at the top that, would, that could counter any orders made in Parliament. So the, this, this has never changed. This goal has never changed. Democracy is nothing more than a front to fool the people, while the establishment, as it's called in Britain, rushes on ahead with its global system. Now, in the 1500s, with John Dee, he mentioned the word free trade, and he, called, he coined the term the British Empire at the same time. And he says countries would be allowed to join them if they would adopt the British system and, and they, would, they would be given the most uh, was it favored nation status, trading status, if they would join this free trading system. That's how long ago this system, this world system that we're going through now, stretches back to the 1500s. Boy, I tell you, it's, it's really involved, isn't it? And you have a good grasp of it. We've got to cut away here for another short break, and then we'll be back and continue the conversation. But, boy, it's getting good. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm George Butler, along with... Charlotte Littlefield-Brown. Welcome back, Alan Watt. It's a pleasure to be here. No, it's a pleasure to have you, Alan. You're well, so interesting and insightful. I just, I really enjoy you. How long did it take you to accumulate all this knowledge and wisdom, <laughs> Oh, I, I was born, I was born thinking. I always tell people I've got a form of autism... I see things as they really are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know that? Hey, something's wrong with you. I knew there's something wrong with you. <laughs> That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. when you were small, you started waking up. And, and what were some of the first li little experiences and notions there that, that, that awaken you? Well, when you're small, you, you have an advantage. People, people ignore you. So you can go through your friends' homes and toddle through there and, and ignore you. And you could observe adults. And I noticed early on that everyone I knew, uh, all the couples, they're all having arguments about the same basic things, mainly money to pay rent at that time. And I thought, well, if this is Great Britain that rules an empire, how come pretty well across Britain everyone was the same, a massive working class and with, who were broke on a, a, a pretty well a fixed income where you could never get ahead. There were no credit cards or anything like that in those days. And it wasn't money for extras, it was money for the basic things. And I, and I got into the books very early on, into adult libraries, to read the histories. And, and all I came across was what was obviously this massive corruption at the top over and over and over again. Uh, so what I realized very early on, once the media came in and television came in big time, and it was mandated in Britain, they wanted everyone to get a television set. 
just like they did in China two years ago. Um, and now, now, of course, the Prime Minister of Britain has created a, a, a politicians' bureau to deal with getting child, every child in Britain on the internet. So when you know that when the government's behind something, there's another agenda to it. Well, uh, Britain brought in DER company, which is read backwards, of course, to, to sell used televisions reconditioned to, to every British home. And it was the only thing they could buy on, on what we called higher purchase. You could not get credit if you owned nothing at that time. And, but they made one exception for televisions. And once that TV took off, I saw very early on the, how it affected the adults. I saw how the life changed, in fact. I, I, I remember uh, as a toddler, uh, the, all the couples in the area would go down to the local park on the weekends. They'd sit there on towels and they'd chat. They'd walk around and discuss everything. And once television came in, within about a month, two months, three months, definitely by the end of a year, you'd go to that park and it was empty. And you could pass all these houses at night and see the glowing tube uh, coming through the, t- through the windows. That thing took all, that completely changed the life of people. And, and the culture creators, going all the way back to the days of Plato, say, said that the people mimic what, what the actors and actresses do. And not only do they mimic and get new words and new terms to, to, to parrots, but they also mimic the behavior of the actors and actresses in the dramas. And you can also condition them uh, as to what's to come in their future, what the same people will experience in their own future by giving them dramas and, and putting that into the story. The people then emulate uh, what the actors did in that drama when they meet it in real life. It was a, so they understood this technique thousands of years ago, but the television was the greatest tool. And then I noticed at the same time that the pop industry was coming in, and it was promoted along with drugs at the same time, it was simultaneous. And the BBC, which only took its employees from, from Eton, the very, the very wealthy, you know, old established school for the, for the aristocracy and the, and the wealthy members, it only employ from Eton. It was the BBC who pushed the drug industry and the, the pop industry from the top down to the public. And I wanted to know what was behind it. But what was so obvious was that they're pushing sex to the limit and, and getting stoned was just plain naughty and they'd laugh and all the rest of it as they brought people on who were stoned. Um, so I'd enter the books to learn how culture was, was created and why they would be doing this. And I got into H.G. Wells and other people's writings and Huxley, etc. And they, they all had the same eugenics idea, agenda, to bring down a population to a manageable level, but to eradicate what they claimed were, were, were the useless eaters, those who would be useless after an industrial era was gone. And the best way to do it was, was to sterilize them. Well, how do you sterilize people? You can't sterilize them um, by command. Um, There'd be too much backlash. You encourage promiscuity. You point to the fallout of the promiscuity, which was unwanted children. You bring in mandatory abortion, and you've solved your problem. You also destroy the family unit. That was essential. That was every, every tenet that came out of any manifesto, including the communist manifesto, talked about the destruction of the family unit. So they, they knew with experimental schools as far back as 1920, funded by the Crown of England, uh, and Bertrand Russell, Lord Bertrand Russell was in charge of the first ones, they found that they promoted promiscuity uh, between pre, 
uh, pubertal children, then they, they, the chances of them mating for life down the road was, was almost impossible. So everything that they tried and experimented with in the 20s, they introduced in the 60s, along with the drugs uh, culture and, and the music. They told the generation, this is your generation, everything is, is yours, you're creating this, and nothing was further from the truth. There was an ulterior purpose behind it, and it's been very, very successful, uh, as we can see today. What, what are your thoughts on um, <clears throat> compulsory public education? It should not be compulsory. Whatever you get compulsory anything from government, there's always another agenda at work. And it's no, it's no secret, even in, in, in social worker lectures that they have at college and so on, it's no secret that when they train their employees to get a peaceful society, then they must get everyone on board along the same path. And they do that by getting children at a very early age and give them all the same indoctrination. When they brought out the League of Nations, that was one of the stipulations that it would create a section that turned into the United Nations with UN and UNESCO was the educational department. And its goal and its mandate, if you read it and you look into the UN and look at it, it tells you is to create a unified culture by, by indoctrination of the young in the same, along the same path. There'll be no free individualistic thinking. You'll all have the same indoctrination. You'll all think that things are normal as you grow up, and you'll have nothing to compare it to. Everyone's getting the same indoctrination. I once did very, very good insight. I once did a, a, a research on a PBS, public broadcast system here in the United States, mm -hmm. and it went back to, a, to an education channel early on that preceded that. And it wasn't two or three years that the Aspen Institute... Uh, latched into that and locked into that and started promoting it and expanded it to what it is today. And so I, I was, I, I went back and I said, what is this really about? And it's just like you're saying, they were promoting at the time humanism, you know, uh, scientific, secular and, and the religious humanism. See what I mean? Yes. But they were couching it in terms that were palatable to the average person that, that wasn't that religious maybe or didn't know that much about science. See what I mean? Yes, yes, they were. And, and the Aspen Institute, of course, was heavily involved in ways of controlling small groups of people and studying them to see if you could make people do anything that you wanted them to do, even though it was crazy. And at the same time, out came uh, rolfing and all these different exercises, primal screaming, uh, all of these encounter-type groups. Uh, and, this, and then big corporations started to mandate their employees attend these particular groups and the idea was to stop being independent and thinking for yourself and they do little experiments like fall back and your friends will catch you and all this kind of stuff. That's how they would start these encounter groups. But the idea was to break your dependence on your self-reliability and be part of the team uh, rather than an individual. And this was all heavily studied by CIA. All this information from all these groups was fed back to CIA departments and eventually they used these techniques on a global scale. It's even in the media and in, even through comedies you'll get little little blurbs about the greening of the planet and Mother Earth and, and how we're all one and all the stuff that these encounter groups was teaching was nothing more or less than the New Age, this whole new religion and different segments of it. Yeah, cosmic humanism, huh? Yeah, and humanism itself, if you go into humanism and look at the founders and what their particular tenets are, They'll tell you it is a religion. It is itself another religion. Sure, sure. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, Francis Schaeffer, uh, a theologian, a Presbyterian theologian, uh, coined the term secular humanism. And they hate him for that term. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, because he spotted early on in the university system that they were creating a new religion, and that's just like you were saying there a second ago. Yes, and their whole, their whole front was that they were uh, non-religious yes, and, uh -huh. and they bashed every other religion. So they became a new religion. They did what all religions did in the past, was bash each other. But putting the word science to it tends to, to blind us to what it really is. Yeah, we've got to leave here for another break, and we'll be right back. Thank you very much. News, politics, cover-ups, government corruption. You're listening to We the People Radio Network. WTPRN. Welcome back to World Review Commentary. I'm George Butler, along with... Charlotte Littlefield Brown. Welcome back, Alan Watt. That's a pleasure. Uh, do you believe that human nature is the one of the major barriers to man attaining a, a bit of the wi of wisdom? Uh, it, it's not just human nature. We definitely have very strong drives. We're born with them and survival instincts and so on. However, every drive that you have... It can be exacerbated by, again, the media and the culture you're given at a particular time. Uh, it's like if you keep showing fast foods and hamburgers on the TV, people are constantly thinking about fast food and hamburgers. That's why advertising works. That's why they spend so much money. So, in other words, they can make you obsessed with something. It's the same thing when you, when you take an, a drive, like sexual drive, and, and you see nothing but sex, sex, sex. You're not going to have a Walton-type society, you're going to have a very promiscuous society and, and uh, obviously a broken society. So, so yeah, um, it's human nature. If you understand human nature, and the big boys most certainly do that, they've done so many incredible studies on, on behaviorism and psychology uh, that they can literally use these techniques now on whole, whole nations, whole continents if need be. And it has been done for quite some time. They shape the direction we are going into always. They turn around and, and point to the fallout they've created, which they knew would come, and then they come forward with their solution, which they'd planned in the first place. Their whole problem is getting you to that solution and getting you to accept it. And, and that's how it's done. They're, they're, these guys at the top, uh, really, you would not believe the lengths they've gone to to, to get the public to acquiesce to their own demise, and I'm talking about eugenics again, and the, the whole eugenics program. Um, the big foundations that were set up in the 1800s, foundations that were mentioned by people like Albert Pike, and you also find the same thing uh, with the, the, the supposed Illuminati bunch that was caught over in Germany. Uh, they said they'd set up foundations as front organizations under the guise of philanthropy, but they'd in fact fund what now are known as non-governmental organizations, thousands of them, which would lead the direction that society was to follow. And that's precisely what we have. 
um, these big philanthropic organizations like the Rockefeller Foundations, Carnegie, Ford, and so on, uh, fund uh, the, the direction that society is planned to go along. And we, we do go along that path without thinking. Um, they started the eugenics society in, in, in uh, America, in the USA, back in 1904 officially. It already had it in the 1800s. And the Carnegie Institute, with federal money backing them, uh, set up Cold Springs Harbor uh, in, uh, in, in the U.S. And they called it the Station for Experimental Evolution. And they brought in the American Breeders Association, uh, Willard Hayes, was brought in on this whole thing. And their whole idea was to see if they could breed people like cattle for specific traits. And they looked at all the lower classes, and they said, if we don't do something, then down the road in the future, uh, there's going to be too many of these lower class types, these useless ones, as they called them, uh, who will overtake uh, the ones at the top. Now, remember that, that Darwinism is an official religion amongst these people at the top, and they believe that a higher species will be brought down by a lower species uh, unless there's, there's a, only a few at the bottom and a lot of the higher species at the top. If there's too many of the lower species dominating, they'll eradicate those at the top. That's always been their main fear. And so they put all this money into the eugenics programs, and then they started to fund uh, governments in the United States, state governments, to, to uh, give forced sterilization. And they've been doing forced sterilization right through into the 1970s through various U.S. states. Now, there's a lot of white people think, well, it's not for us. Well, that's not true. Uh, if you hadn't made it into the top elite and proven your worth by at least a few families of special selection and breeding, that means your wife is picked for you, then you are still a member of the lower class. These guys at the top don't care uh, what ethnic group you belong to. All commoners are commoners. And the agenda is still on the go. It's worldwide now. Uh, you have a world full of commoners that are supposed to be gradually eliminated, brought down, sterilized, etc. And I often think it's such a strange coincidence that the United Nations every year will give out all its major statistics and, and they tell you every year uh, that the, the, the sperm count in the Western male is down 75% of what it was in 1950. And there's no comment to follow it up by saying this is a crisis, therefore you know this is a planned agenda. There's something either being inoculated into us, which is probably the best, uh, easiest way to do it uh, through, uh, through various guises, or it's in the food or the water, or it's all of those things combined. The world population is being brought down and people are becoming infertile. In fact, infertility clinics is a booming industry now. It's one of the fastest growing industries there is. Do, do you see uh, that that uh, that this thing has synergistically is it operating on a synergistic level? Yes, there's no doubt about it. Um, the first thing you must do with any operation is to, as I say, get the public to accept it. No matter if you just sprung something upon them and said, "Please, would volunteers come forward for mass sterilization?" Uh, you're going to have trouble. But if you say, "Okay, we work in generations." Big foundations, like Huxley and others said, uh, uh, and Russell said, foundations can start up with an agenda and literally go three or four or five generations, if need be, to finish and complete its own part in that agenda because foundations outlive uh, each generation. So 
if you can train a public to, and get them to acquiesce gradually through indoctrination and, and lots of propaganda uh, to, towards a specific goal of reducing them, their own population, you will achieve it, unfortunately. It will work. And today you already have young people coming out in newspapers now, and I predicted this years ago, saying they would like to get sterilized to save Mother Earth. And it's a selfish thing to, to, to simply want to reproduce your own. It's very, very selfish, and, and it's um, antisocial. That's what they're saying. That's well, how the do, yeah, how does that um, go with the, uh, the doctrine of the Catholic Church? You know, they, they've been very, you know, uh, the opposite of that, at least as what I think historically, what I've under, the way I understand it. Well, I remember one of the speeches or the talks that uh, Aldo Huxley gave. Now, Aldo Huxley, Aldo Huxley talks through both sides of his mouth. He'd have one uh, persona for the general public, but another for his own peer group because he belonged to these big institutions. So when you hear him talking, he's talking as a person who knows what's really coming. Uh, and Huxley uh, talked to, uh, to Wallace. It was, I think, Michael Wallace, the interviewer. He gave a few talks with him, and some are available on the Internet. And in one of them, he said the only op opponent of this whole world strategy, he was also including communism, by the way, which is merged, as you know, with capitalism. Um, but he, he said the only opponent that truly has is, is Catholicism. And he said it's waning now. He says when that goes, there will be nothing to stop it. So, so I think he's probably right there. Uh, we know Malachi Martin and others have come out uh, before he died. He came out and said that the, the Catholic Church had been totally infiltrated with the Freemasonry and fraternities. Yeah, the windswept house that he wrote, it was a novel uh, that Malachi <laughs> Martin wrote. Yeah, it was very disturbing, a very chilling uh, novel. Yes, and he said there's nothing in it that was untrue. It was all based on fact. He had to change some of the players' names because it was still alive. And But he said it was all fact that was in that book, yeah. Yeah, I read that, and I read The Keys of This Blood, too, which was an excellent book, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I listened to him. When he he appeared on the Art Bell show a number of times. Yes, right. And yep. uh, I learned quite a bit. I, I really respected uh, the man had integrity. He had integrity... He knew a lot more than he ever said. Yeah, that's even right. On, on the air, he was still so, loyal to the church because that's what you know what he was about. You know. Yeah, there's but no doubt about it. Yeah, he but he was trying. To, he was trying to stem this this movement away from what he had had believed that, that the church should be, uh, and it it had changed the direction in the '60s. I guess what Vatican II. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was definitely a hard liner, but 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 at the same time, he also knew. But the whole social agenda was as well for the world, uh, regardless of religion. And he, he did know a lot more than he, he generally talked about to the people. Well, he, he ran uh, exorcisms in New York City. He said that it had increased eightfold by, over a number of years up there. That's right. The, trouble, <laughs> the, the problems in, in New York alone. Yes, and, and an age, of course, where it's gone out of fashion uh, to believe in these things. Although the people gorge themselves in horror movies all the time, um, you can't deny that there's certain. We're seeing the breakdown of society. What's causing it, apart from the manipulations from the top? Uh, are there other forces involved? Uh, that's an interesting whole subject in itself because we know the elite themselves. I mean, how many people do you know who could go to parties or meetings and coolly, calmly discuss with a peer group? Uh, the demise and the takedown, the, the actual murder of millions of people, 
and rationalize it and go home and sleep well. Well, these guys do at the top. Well, so those, those are called psychopaths, aren't they not? <laughs> psychopaths uh, are a scientific term that actually matches yeah. what religion would call possessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they, they have no conscience and they don't care. And uh, What's this thing called unrestrained, do your own thing? That's what they believe in. Just anything goes, right? Do what they will to the whole of the law. Yeah, I think I think that's what they subscribe to. Hey, we've got to take a break. It's only a minute and a half at the top of the hour, and then we'll be right back back on air here. But uh, we've got to move away to some some announcements at the top of the hour, and we'll be right back about a minute and a half. Thank you, Alan. Right on.